everyone. Welcome to Writing in Real Life, a podcast about marriage, parenthood, writing, and something else. Publishing? Very good. All right. I always forget this. Real story. True story. And I always need the paper that we like printed out on the very first episode right. that lists all those. That has made the move <laughs> with us. But I'm proud that I remembered you it. You remembered it. You got yeah. it out of order, but you remembered oh, it. Oh, yeah. That's okay. We have a ton to talk about tonight. Um, first, I want to dive into an announcement that happened, what, 10-ish days ago? It was right after we recorded the last episode. Yeah, which is funny. Which is very frustrating. Um, which is that Barry is writing a trilogy based on the Flash television show. Woohoo! It's this so is, cool. This is what I, one of the, the projects I've been talking about for a while, ever since we came back, that I haven't been able to announce. Right. Um, and now I can announce it. Yeah. Because it was in Entertainment Weekly. Uh, it's a good year for me in Entertainment Weekly. I, listen, someone at EW likes Barry Liga. Yeah, I'm going to say that. Yeah. It's really cool. So can you tell us the story of how this happened? Yeah. Uh, right before or right around Thanksgiving. I can't remember if it was right before or right after. I got a call from uh, the publisher of Abrams Books, who is a guy that I've known for a while. And he just said, hey, we have the license to do middle grade novels based on The Flash and Supergirl TV shows. Are you interested? And I was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Before he even finished the sentence, I said yes. You heard the fool and you said and yes. And I said yes. <laughs> um, and Supergirl was just, you know, the icing on the cake because I love Supergirl too. And... Um, and, and I immediately offered to write both. Right, uh-huh. <laughs> and he said, no, 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 we, uh, we, we'd like a woman to write Supergirl, actually. And I said, I said, I can pretend to be a woman. While I, I'll wear a dress while I write it. I'll, I'll do anything. Uh, but but he, was, he was right about that. And uh, my friend Joe Whitmore is going to be writing the Supergirl books. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to be writing the Flash books. And, and this is part, in part due to you because You're welcome. The, the, uh, the deadlines were sort of crazy. The de- yeah, the first deadline was, uh, I believe it was initially the week after our due date, right? The first deadline was originally, no, was originally a month after our due a date. A month after the due date, okay. Um, and so and you so were And so I concerned. was like, I don't know if I can do this. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a very short period of time. Plus, I hadn't gotten approval for anything. I mean, yeah. you know, this hell, you know, it's a licensed book. It has to go through, through many layers of approval. It wasn't like, you know, I said yes to him at Thanksgiving, and then I could start writing. Right. I had to wait to hear. And I said, look, you know, my wife's having a baby. Let me talk to her, blah, blah, blah. And I said to you, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, I'm going to be writing this book, like, you know, right after we're back out of the hospital and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And you said words to the effect of, if you don't do this, I'll kill you. <laughs> um, because you knew how much it meant to me and that it was a, a dream come true for me. And so I said back to them, I can do this. And um, uh, the approval came very, very late. Yeah. <laughs> and they they pushed back the deadline. As, as a did result. the baby. And so. the baby came late, too. So, <laughs> so if the baby had come at the right time, then, then, then it wouldn't have been as big a deal that the approval came so late. Um, but, yeah, uh, they pushed back the deadline for me a little bit, and I was able to write the first book, which is finished. I'm currently working on the second book. Um, and then I'll do the third book, obviously. And the mm-hmm. first book comes out in October, October 3rd, 2017. And can you just explain for people, uh, because I was so confused about this until sure. we talked about it. So The Flash is a television show. Yes. So how does one write a trilogy based on the television show without sort of uh, intersecting the television show? Well, that's a darn good question because that was a problem that we had, actually. Um, I had submitted a, a, an outline for what I wanted to do in my trilogy, 
and the folks who run the show said, yep, looks great. We love it. Do it. And uh, I wrote the first book. And then they did something on the show that contradicted the book. Not in a little tiny, like, oh, he only wears blue on Thursdays kind of way, <laughs> but like in a, oh, this character is useless to you now way. Uh. And you would have to re rewrite the entire book. And I kind of freaked out. And I came up with a way around it that I thought was very elegant and worked very well. Um, and then uh, we all decided, the publisher, the TV people, and I decided that in order to avoid things like this in the future... It might work out best if we sort of separated my book from the TV show in a way. So there's a time travel thing that happens on the TV show at the beginning of the third season that, that creates this, this new timeline. And uh, we said, well, what if that thing doesn't happen in, in my book? Mm -hmm. What if my book is the version of the third season that would have been if this time travel thing had never happened in the first place? For those of you who know the show, I'm talking about Flashpoint. What if Flashpoint never happened? Um, so as a result, my book is like this alternate version of the TV show now, which is really cool because now I don't have to worry quite as yeah. much about the continuity of the show because I've sort of got my own personal version of the DC universe, right. which, oh my God. When you say it like that, like, I mean, oh my God, like legitimate it's, dream come true it's for you. Literally what I've wanted since I was five years old. Yeah. Like it is my own version of the DC universe yeah. where I can basically do whatever I want and that's insane that this happened. So cool. Um, I'm having an absurd amount of fun with this. Uh, I will say I think it's the most fun you've ever you've ever had writing a book since I've oh, known you. Oh, God, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, which, you know, doesn't have anything to do, I think, with, you know, how good it is or will be. I mean, I, I hope it, people love it. Um, but it's, it's simply but it's because it's the flesh. so much fun yeah. to write. I mean... I'm having so much fun. Can you say it again? Because I don't think anyone understands. So, 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 so much, much fun. fun. All right. Awesome. So congratulations. Thank you. And Thank you. It, the first book comes out yes. this fall. Yes. October 3rd. It is called The Flash Hocus Pocus. And it will be out October 3rd. And the new season begins October 10th. So this gives you a week to read the book uh, <laughs> if you're jonesing for new Flash stuff before the season starts. Cool. We will link to the cover reveal on Entertainment Weekly Gorgeous in our show cover. notes. Yes. It, is a, it is a very, very yeah. cool cover. Um, while we're talking about you, I also want to raise a very serious issue, which is that you've been cheating on us. Wait a minute. Is there a time when we're not going to be talking about me? <laughs> Because you want to back out right away if that's the case. Yeah. The show ends when we stop talking about me. <laughs> anyway, you uh, were a guest on Little Brown's podcast recently. Yes. Mm -hmm. Talking about Bang. Yeah. With Elvina, your editor. Mm-hmm. How'd yeah. that go? It was good. Uh, it was, it was, it's short. It's uh, shorter than this show. And this is a fairly short show by podcast standards. Uh, so it was, it was short. We, we talked about Bang and uh, the topic of guilt. Uh, something I know a little bit about, um, as I like to say, having been raised Catholic and Jewish. Um, and uh, we, we had a good time with it, um, and, and people seemed to be enjoying it. Uh, it's funny, it was one of those things where I walked out of the podcast booth that day thinking, I don't know if that worked, I don't know how if that came across. But then I listened to it when it was published recently, and I was like, oh, no, that came out fine. The power of editing. It's just one of the, you just never know sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, we did that. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yep. Uh, that was good for those of you who have read Bang and are interested in a little bit of the sort of philosophical underpinnings of it. Mm -hmm. um, take a listen. And one more point while we're talking about you Bring and speaking about Bang. 
Uh, it was recently BEA. Book Expo America. Yeah, I actually, I think they chopped off the America. I think it's just Book Expo. Oh, now. maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm old school. Listen, I'm never going to change. <laughs> America first. Yeah. <laughs> Make it great again. Yeah. yeah. Make Book Expo great again. <laughs> um, how cool would that have been if it was actually the logo of this year's BEA or something? Anyway, uh, we were both there on two different days, which is funny. Because we can't coordinate we, we can't. anything. We uh, can't. But I was, of course, there for work. And for something else, which hopefully we'll be able to announce soon. Yeah. And yeah. Now that we've revealed the flash, we have to have other mysteries. Yeah, right. So there, yeah. Yes, there is something else we in the hopper that, the seeds that of we a can't new mystery. talk about. Yet. Yeah. Um, and you were there for what? A panel discussion? No, an yeah. interview. It was a one-on-one. No, no, no. It was a panel. Okay. Uh, it was a panel. It was me, a guy named Seth Lawless, who's a photojournalist, and uh, Marika Nykamp, who wrote uh, "This Is Where It Ends." Mm-hmm. So I have to say, as someone who goes to BEA for work. Um, which means that I'm working, but again, I have a very fun job, so you know, don't yeah. feel sorry for me or anything like that. I, it is such an incredible place, and I'm wondering if you feel the same way because, for those of you who don't know, it's held in the Javits Center in New York, which is you know an insane labyrinth that is like a complete city block. It's the worst thing about Book Expo is that it's a Javits because Javits is just a nightmare of a facility. It is, except now there's a great new subway line that has opened up there. So it is much easier to it's get an, to. It's an easier, more accessible yes, nightmare. Yes, but yeah. Nightmare. But there is still something so flipping magical about walking in there. And there are these massive banners hanging from the ceiling of featuring books. And there's people all around who are book people and every publisher that you can imagine and many that you cannot have these giant booths set up and there's so much activity happening and there's signings and there's panels and there's q a's and there's contests and there's giveaways and scholastic had our reading rv featured on saturday which was so cool it's an actual rv that we um have been sending around the country uh with books which is so neat and I don't know, there's something, no matter how many times I go, no matter how much behind the scenes info I know about it, and I know like our events team obviously pulls crazy hours trying to pull this off, and I'm sure every other events team and every other publisher is the same, and I know that for the authors, there's a lot going on, and um, for everyone, despite all of the hecticness that I know is happening there, I just feel a thrill when I'm there, and it's just so incredible to be a part of the the book community like that now do you feel the same you know i walk in and i see those banners and i just think how come that's not for me well but it is interesting i mean even from from my perspective to look at them and see like okay so that publisher is really counting on right. that book and that's what's interesting is to this see, author yeah. is apparently a bigger deal than i ever thought they would no, be yeah, you know I, like I that, that kind of stuff i had that experience a couple times at book expo where i would look and i would see a massive banner or or some huge promotional thing for a particular author, and I would go, oh, I didn't realize he slash she was that big a deal. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, so that, that's always interesting and, and fun uh, to, to see that sort of thing. I, I really, you know, Book Expo for me is a lot of things. One of the things it usually is, is it's an opportunity for me to see people I don't get to see that often. Mm, yeah. Uh, a lot of times people who, you know, the publishing industry is based in New York, but there are a lot of people outside New York who work in publishing who I know, and they all come to New York for Book Expo, and I get to see them. This year was a little disappointing. I was there on a Saturday, 
and uh, most of the people that I wanted to see weren't around on a Saturday, yeah. so I didn't I didn't get to see them, which which broke my heart a little bit. Saturday was the book con, right? Which, which is, is the, the open to the public. You right. buy tickets. It's basically Comic Con for for book nerds. Yep. Um, so it's a different Saturday has a different feel than yeah. Thursday and Friday do for sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but um, I enjoyed my panel, and uh, then I had a signing after that, and it was a good signing. And I did get to see, you know, I, I got to see some people that I yeah. don't normally see, which was nice. Just not all the people that I hoped that I would see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really, I think, you know, yeah, when I walk into Book Expo, I definitely feel like, oh, these are my people. Right. Um, you know, and and it's a really neat feeling that you can be in this this hall with all these thousands and thousands of people and turn around and bump into, like, a friend, mm -hmm. you know? Um, that there are people there who know you and you know them, obviously. Yeah. And it, it, it's really cool. It's funny. I thought you were going to say a celebrity because it's <laughs> it's also not uncommon to turn around at Book Expo and suddenly you're face-to-face -face with, as I was the other day, Alan Alda, which is totally random. Which I am so jealous <laughs> that, that you were face-to-face -face with Alan Alda. Uh -huh. Um Hil so Hillary cool. Clinton was there on Yeah, but she wasn't walking the show she floor. Was she was the show not floor. walking the She should have. Uh -huh. She would have gotten a lot of love yeah. on the show floor. She yeah. should have, but uh, no. Anyway, so that was BEA. Yep. Um, and I'm finally freaking done talking about you. How's that? No. That's, <laughs> we're only 13 minutes in. You should keep going. We need to talk more about me. Um, I'll talk about me. If you're done, I can talk about me. No, we're good. But I do want to keep talking about writing for another few minutes. So. Once again, there was a slight Twitter controversy the other day, and I was like, what is everyone talking about? And then I found it, and I was like, oh, so I want to talk about it. I think it's kind of a funny one. Uh, John Grisham had a piece published in the New York Times called The Do's and Don'ts for Writing Popular Fiction. Uh, and I somehow just, missed. I know. I don't know. Not why only the article, it. but also the controversy. You must. Have, I mean, it was a short one day thing. Yeah. You must have been on baby duty that day. I'm on baby duty every day. Well, aren't we all? <laughs> so, uh, so. The thing that people were getting a little hot and bothered by was number one on his list okay. was be a man. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right about dudes. <laughs> white dudes. <laughs> white dudes, exactly. Straight white dudes. You can't go wrong writing about straight white dudes. So his number one was write a page every day. <laughs> okay. His number two was write at the same place and the same time every day. Right? Okay. Isn't that weird? That's really weird. So I just want to talk about that because I feel like... And, and I'm not sure what that has to do with writing popular fiction. I know, right? Like, as opposed to unpopular fiction. Well, no, I'm I mean, kidding. Not as nonfiction or but, whatever. Or, but, or just, yeah. you know, literary fiction. Like, right. Like, uh -huh. in order to write, you know, non-commercial fiction, right. do you need to write in every a different place every yeah. day and write a page and a half? I, I agree. I, I it was totally okay. very arbitrary, I think. But anyway, so I think people were really objecting to this idea that in order to be a real writer, you have to write every day. And I saw a lot of authors on Twitter saying, uh, hell no, that's not, that's not how that works. I don't do that, et cetera. Uh, we know you don't do that. But I do feel like you and I are very different when it comes to writing in that you're always thinking about writing. Like, aren't you always yes. turning around the story in your head? I'm doing it right now. Are you really? <laughs> of course. Yeah. I, look, I have said before on this show, and, and I, I recognize that, that this could be considered a, a moral failing and possibly a human failing on my part but i am much more interested in being a good writer than a good person right um and so yes when i should be doing other things i am always thinking about writing it's not even an intentional thing yeah it just happens yeah. like it's just this is how i am um 
I, I think Grisham's advice is interesting because, quite frankly, if he wasn't giving it, I think nobody would have said anything. Probably. I think um, because the fact of the matter is this is what we tell aspiring, aspiring authors all the time. You got to write. You got to write every day. Write all the time. Do yeah. this. Set, your, set a goal. Maybe a page every day. Like, this is not controversial at all. Right. And I just think people get a bug up their butt because it's a super famous super popular, super successful, super wealthy guy <laughs> telling them how to do it. Yeah. And so they get upset about it. But again, this is the same advice we give to aspiring authors all the time. It's something I've been thinking a lot about lately and realizing, like, I'll catch myself when I'm spending a lot of mental energy on something that's kind of meaningless. Right. Such as, like, if I'm thinking about what to make for dinner every night for the next three nights right. or like what to plan. I'm not saying I cook all the time listeners. That's not the case. Um, Barry cooks quite a lot, but, but I do find myself suddenly thinking I probably just spent 20 minutes on Pinterest looking up recipes. Right. Why? When I could have done 20 minutes of outlining right then or yeah. a chapter, I'm uh, not a chapter, certainly not a chapter, uh, a paragraph of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I've, I've really been noticing this in my own life lately. And I really strive to be someone who is thinking about the book more often than I am now. Here, here's what it comes down to. When you are working towards your goal of becoming published, you need to follow that advice. You need to do mm. it every day. You need to have a, a regimen. You need to be disciplined about it because you're learning, because yeah. you're getting better. Because, you know, people on the show have heard me talk before about the million bad words that you have to write. You're, you're only going to get through those million bad words if you're writing words every, every single day. day. Otherwise, if, it's going to take you, you two lifetimes. It's going to take yeah. you two lifetimes, and you're never going to get there. Once you've gotten there... Yeah, you can take a day off here and there, you know, <laughs> and and I think that's what those those authors were responding to was, mm. you know, look, I don't write every day. Well, no, neither do I. I mean, I can't. I mean, yeah. there are days where I just can't write. But again, like you said, I'm always thinking about it. And let's face it, I'm sure that the one phrase you are tired of hearing come out of my mouth is, oh, just a second, got to write this down. <laughs> that's um, true. <laughs> it's constant with me. Um, I'm constantly running into the office to uh -huh. write something down. Um, because I don't trust my memory anymore. Yes. I mean, even for five minutes, I don't trust my memory anymore because one of the kids will do something insane uh -huh. and I'll lose it. Right. Um, so, you know, w once you've gotten to that point, then yeah, then, then you can be a little more confident that you know what you're doing and that you're not going to just flake out on, on your project. But while you're getting there, while you're climbing that mountain, you got to keep moving. You got to keep mm -hmm. that forward momentum. Because the hill is very steep. Yeah. And it's very easy to fall back down to the bottom. Once you've gotten to the top of that hill, yeah, there's another hill, but it's not quite as steep. So you don't have to be quite as rigorous. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and you know, so I think, I think, I, I don't see how his advice is specific to writing popular fiction. Right. Again, um, yeah. You know, I thought he was going to say something about make sure you don't explain too much about your characters. You know, <laughs> end every chapter on a cliffhanger, you know, that kind of thing. Um, what do you think about the idea of writing at the same place and time every day? I, I don't get Isn't that. Isn't that bizarre? I, I mean, I <laughs> I say that as somebody who does that, though. No, <laughs> I, you, well, I, you write in the same place. Write in the same place. Sure. Not, not necessarily at the same time. Yeah. No, you definitely don't do but, this. It's a, like, he was pretty explicit. Like, yeah. pick a time of day where like, you go into your 12, space. 27, and 32 seconds. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Got anyway. Right. 
Um, we'll link to those in the show notes whatever, because why not? The, whatever helps you, whatever works. Sure. You know, I, I wasted a lot of time um, very, very early on in my life following every piece of advice I could find mm. because so much of it is written with this great confidence, yeah. you know, and, and I realized, Oh, you know, like there was, you know, here's how you plan your story, you know, get three different colors of index cards right. and four different colors of pens. I am and, still confused when I see people sharing yeah. photos of their like storyboarding or know, of their edits with all these multicolored cards. I just, want to know what they're doing. That just doesn't work for me, but yeah. I wasted like a year of my life trying to, trying fit. to, yeah. trying to cram the square peg that is me into the round hole that is that yeah and it just doesn't work yeah um so figure out what works for you and and do it yeah and that's how you write popular fiction mm -hmm. that's barry's rule now perfect everybody can get pissed at me for mansplaining to them there you go perfect um so listen moving on barry right now is wearing one of my favorite shirts of his which is a black shirt in white lettering it says feminism is the radical notion that women are people i only i wear it because you make me Basically. I tell people that, like, when they see it, <laughs> and, and they like it, and nobody ever laughs. I think that is hilarious. I think that, like, people will see the shirt and read it, and they'll go, oh, that's an awesome shirt. Great. And I'll go, my wife makes me wear it. And nobody, I think that's the funniest possible thing I could say, and nobody laughs. So Great. Yeah. So there's a lot of people out there who I know. think something weird. I, I don't know. know. I know. Anyway, um, but it's relevant to the next thing I want to talk about, which is uh, transitioning away from some writing advice and whatnot. And into the parenting portion of our podcast, uh, the Times last week had a much shared essay called How to Raise a Feminist Son. Yes. So this is something I obviously think about a lot. Do you think about it a lot before I dive into the meat of this topic? It's weird because my, you know, my, my personal feminist leanings um, were something that came to me at such a young age and were just such an integral part of me that I never really thought of it as feminism. Yeah. Uh -huh. Like I, I legit like I never, that. never thought of the word feminism applying to me until like I had to actually think about it and go, oh, right. Of course. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I believe all that. Sure. Yeah. Um, it, so it was just a, a, a strange thing for me. And, and so there's a part of me, I should talk to my parents about this sometime, but they probably, they have terrible memories. They won't remember. <laughs> but I want to kind of ask them, like, did you deliberately, like, were you trying right. to raise me that way or did it just happen that way? Um, because I then there's a part of me that wonders, like, if I try too hard with Luke, yeah, like, are we going to push him in the other way? Right, and he's right. going to be some meninist, you know, meninist dude who's MRA like, guy. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, and I just don't want that because I, I love him and he's cute and mm. I want to keep loving him. Um, <laughs> so, so I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I do think about it, but then I think, am I thinking too much about it? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I, I ho would hope that even if I never explicitly said anything to him, that just the example that I present, he would not grow up thinking, yeah, women kind of suck. Well, I'm <laughs> glad you said that because one of the ways to raise a feminist son is to provide adequate role models. Yeah. I mean, you would hope that it starts with have a feminist husband. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and it's a lot of those things. There's been a lot of studies about how the more housework a man oh, does. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, we've talked about that. Right, the yeah, before, the more yeah. The, the children understand equality I always feel and whatnot. Good when, the, when the kids see me carrying a laundry basket. <laughs> yeah, uh -huh, totally. No, totally. And a lot of the tips that they give are very common sense. Um, let him be himself. Yeah. But it's like I say that, but also I'm well aware that in many families that doesn't fly. Right, right. So. Some other things are teach him to take care of himself. This is probably my favorite one and probably the one that I have the biggest pet peeve about when it comes to other 
people and people I've grown up with. Particularly, there's this weird culture of when you're like a teenager up until you're hopefully like early 20s is when it ends. um, A lot of women feel the need to like baby their boyfriends. And oh, I thought because, you were going somewhere else entirely. No, okay. no, no, because the boyfriends can't take care of themselves. Yeah, this whole idea of yes. yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, just as an example, I, I had I knew someone who uh, had a girlfriend at the time. So I this is a man who had a girlfriend at the time, who we were at a party and dinner had been served, and everyone sat down and ate dinner, and then he went and sat down on the couch to watch the game or something like that. And she came up to him and basically was like, I made you a second plate in case you want it. Here's some more food. And when you're done, let me know and I'll bring you your dessert. And when you're ready for another drink, I will bring you that as well. And it was this whole weird, like, catering to him thing. Um, But even beyond that, I've known people who, particularly in college, which just makes me want to vomit, like, would go over to their boyfriend's apartments and clean it. Huh. Because, you know, traditionally... Men don't clean their houses. Right. And, yeah, and the, it would be so gross that instead of, like, saying, hey, you're a s- disgusting slob, can you get out a broom and some Ajax or something, they would, like, spend the day cleaning their boyfriend's apartment. And right. and it wouldn't even be a discussion. Like, and uh, so anyway, so, yes, that's a, a very personal pet peeve of mine. But, yeah, teaching a kid, a boy, to take care of himself and to take care of others are two of the tips that they provide there. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that I was amazed when I got to college um, by the number of men who didn't know how to do their own laundry. Yeah. And you, you and I have talked about this before. So in my family, yeah. uh, as as you know, my mom loves laundry. Well, fabric softeners like crack to that woman. <laughs> she loves laundry. <laughs> yeah. For all of you who need a laundress, like Seriously. bring up Denise. She, yeah. lo- she will do it for free. She loves it so much. Um, just kidding, mom. But... So it's a little bit different. Uh, like, I understand that. But for me, my mom did all of our laundry, too. So when I left for college, I did have to be like, hey, how do I do this? Right. Um, but I wasn't an idiot about it. Like, right. I, I understood the general concept and whatnot. But, but yeah, you've said that before that, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I, you know, I could do my own laundry. Right. I, you know, yeah. And, you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, that was weird to me. So, you know, in line with that, uh, listeners probably don't know because I don't talk about it a lot. But in another life... In a previous time, I was married to someone who was not Morgan. Um, what? And yeah. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Did I not tell you? Um, and and there was a time where this person, uh, she, she, my wife at the time, she was going away for three weeks. It was, mm-hmm. a, it was a business thing. And she was going to be gone. And all of her friends were like, what's Barry going to do? Oh, my gosh. I mean, legit. Like, is did he going to be like, okay? Did they, like, bring you casseroles? Yes. No. Did they really? They brought me casseroles. Oh, dear. And... I happily ate them. Sure. It was less less for less cooking for me to do, sure. but I was like, I'm a grown ass man. Like wow. I'm not a great cook by any means, but I know how not to die. Like wow. I know how not to starve to death. I can take care of myself. But yes, um in the in the late twentieth century, <laughs> uh actually no, the early twenty first century, uh grown so women weird. brought me casseroles because they thought I would die. Because your wife was because away. Because my wife was away. Yeah. That's really yeah. That's strange. It is strange. It is strange. It is strange. Up. And it also like, aren't you offended by that? Um, I I I was 
I was offended and amused. Of course. I would say I was probably more amused than offended. Of course. So like, yeah. it did, I was not ranting and raving or anything. No, I mean, you know, but the yes. intent is nice. Of course. Of course, oh, of yeah. Course, of course. And like I said, the food was good. So Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a very strange thing. So apart from the other really great tips that this article gives, including let him cry, um, and as I mentioned, give him the role models that model this behavior, let him be himself, etc. Here is my all-time favorite one. Read a lot about yeah. girls and women. Mm. Obviously, that's something that we have, we collectively, not you and I, have realized in the past couple of years, I think in particular, that, yeah, part of the problem is that we let boys only read about boys and girls have to read about boys in school and girls for fun, you know? So... Well, and... I mean, and, and it's a weird thing for me because when I was a kid, I read a lot of girl, quote unquote, girl books. Like, did you really? Like what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, like one of my favorite books in the world, I've talked about it before, was The Girl with the Silver Eyes. Right, yeah. Which, you know. It's right there in the title. A book about a girl. <laughs> um, you know, I read a lot of uh, Beverly Cleary, mm. you know, Ramona and and, uh, and all that. I read a lot of Judy Bloom. Wow. Um, not not the ones you're thinking of. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Steered, away, steered clear of them. Uh, but um, no, I mean, I, I you know, I, yeah. I'm not pulling up other examples right now. Because, no, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, that's fine. Um, and, and, you know, this was all counterbalanced by a crap ton of comic books, obviously. <laughs> um, but it never seemed weird to me. And I never thought, oh, I shouldn't be reading this. This is right. taboo. It's this about, isn't for me. It's about a girl, so I shouldn't read it. Mm. I just... You know, I treated those books like any other book. If yeah. I liked it, I read it. If I didn't, I didn't. Yeah. And I'm sure that my tastes and the decision was informed somewhat by the, the socialization of me as a boy, mm -hmm. you know, and that there were subjects that I just wasn't interested in, not because they are intrinsically uninteresting, but just because I had grown up to think they're not interesting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like romance novels, obviously, is yeah. the, 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 the one I'm dancing around here. Um, but no, it, it was just, is this a good book? Good. I'll read it. And yeah. I didn't really care about anything else. So it, it's in a way I kind of feel like, Oh, did this girl book, boy book just start being a thing recently? Because when I was a kid, it just didn't feel like a thing to huh. me at all. No, I mean, I think it's partly, uh, influenced by the fact that if you look at most school book lists, yeah. like, and again, this has changed in recent years, but even when I was growing up, all the assigned reading it's the classics and the right. classics are primarily men. Anyway, it's a topic near and dear to my heart, how to raise a feminist son. And yeah. I, again, I think we're going to do that intrinsically because that's who we are. As right. People. And, and, and that's, and that's why yeah. that's what I was getting at in the beginning. Like if we overthink this, are we going to raise an anti-feminist right, son? Right, yeah. um, so maybe this list is really geared towards people who have a partner who isn't particularly feminist. Yeah, and they want to sneak in some ways to to groom a feminist child. I think I think the trickiest thing is just to be aware of all the ways that influences outside of yourself. Oh yeah, can can of course you know lead somebody astray. Yeah, I mean um, toxic masculinity is everywhere, particularly right now in our yeah. political sphere, and that's really scary. But but not, and not even that though. I mean that, that's like intentional stuff. I'm yeah talking, yeah. I'm talking about stuff that's not even intentional. Sure. I remember I have a really vivid memory. Uh, when I was a kid, there was a book series I loved, the Danny Dunn books, which is about this kid who lived with a crazy scientist and got into all sorts of crazy science adventures. And um, he had a best friend, and he had another best friend who was a girl, right? Mm -hmm. the, cl the classic middle grade trilogy, yeah, right? Yeah, two boys and boy, a girl. Boy main character, uh -huh. boy best friend, 
boy, girl best friend, yeah. right? And um, and the boy best friend, of course, hated girls, right? Of course. The, of course, right? And they made a, a musical out of this book, out of one of the books. And it was an album you would buy. This is, this is how old I am, people. Mm. It was an actual vinyl album. Uh, an LP. First of all, that's really cool, yeah, though. Yeah, it was very cool. And I checked it out of the library, and I listened to it, and it was really cool. And it had the characters, like, basically Cute. going through one of the books and singing some songs along the way. And one of the songs was sung by the, the girl-hating character. And I will never forget, the song was about how he hated girls. Okay. And, and like, one of the, like, the chorus was something like, you know, girls, 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 I hate girls, something like that. And then, you know, why couldn't our parents only have boys? Something <laughs> like that. And and I'm listening to it over and over again, because I, like right, yeah. I like the book, and I like the musical. And I remember my parents pulling me aside at one point and saying, Barry, you know, we just want you to understand that, you know, if parents only had boys, there'd be nobody alive. Oh, my God. And we just want you to understand that girls are really important and women are really important. And I remember thinking to myself, and I was way too young to verbalize this at all, but I remember looking at my parents and thinking, do you think I'm a fucking idiot? (laughs) (laughs) Because... Because, like, I knew that. Right. And I knew this was just a silly book. Right. And this was a silly character yeah. who had silly ideas. And it was purely for my amusement and entertainment. That is you funny. Know? And yet my parents, like, clearly felt like, wait a minute. He's taking this seriously. He, you know, this is something coming into our house. Intervention. Yeah, like, yeah. we need to explain to him. And, and so you just look That's out really for cute. stuff like that. And, <laughs> and, and there you go. Cute. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to wrap it up with some quick reading recommendations or what are you reading now? Uh, You go first. Um, I do not have a recommendation right now. I just started something, so hopefully I'll have a recommendation next time. Uh, And I'm also mentoring a student right now, so I'm reading the student's manuscript, so a lot of my reading time is taken up with with reading that. So hopefully in two weeks I will be able to enthusiastically recommend something. Okay. Well... I can enthusiastically recommend something in your place, which is I just finished Gail Foreman's Leave Me, which is her first adult book. Yeah. Um, Gail Foreman of If I Stay fame, for those of you who don't know. And I, like, fanatically loved it. Great. Uh, It's also very timely for me. It's about a woman who... And don't Uh-oh. worry, don't Uh-oh. get any. Uh, oh, I'm not getting any ideas. I just what does she do after she kills her husband? <laughs> no, but basically, she um, she leaves her her family. Um, nice. I'm not giving any spoilers here because that's very clear from the description of the book. But uh, it was. I just thought it was a very riveting read and like a nice um, a nice a, a quick read too. Like yeah. it because it was pretty fast paced. And anyway, so I really enjoyed it. And. Coincidentally, uh, it just went on sale on, I think, on Amazon, the ebook. So uh, hopefully it's still on sale now at the time of this podcast. But um, anyway, leave me, Gail Foreman. Cool. Cool. So uh, thanks so much, everyone. That was, we, I feel like we covered a lot of good ground tonight. I think so. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Until then, visit us online at writinginreallife.com and find us on Twitter at WIRL Podcast. And of course, find us on iTunes so you can go give us a rating. And, you know, we like ratings. So thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Bye. Mm-hmm.